wrapping up warm this week. Welcome to Hunderpod. Episode 428 of Hand of Pod. I'm joined by English Dan. Good evening. And for the second week in a row, I left it far too late to send an email. This week it wasn't actually because I forgot. It was because uh, I'm busy. As I mentioned recently on recent episodes that I'm busy. Uh, and I only realised, or only mentally confirmed with myself after the Argentina game on Wednesday night that I would actually be able to record at all this week. Uh, so here we are. Just to serve us again. Indeed, yeah. Um, it's cold outside as we edge down here in the southern hemisphere towards winter. Quite cold inside as well, too. It's, it's not the warmest, no. no. It's so cold outside that when I got on the sorta to come <laughs> here, I left my jacket and my sweater on. And that right. never normally happens. Normally, the second I get on the sorta, it's stripping off to a t shirt. That sounds something then. There you have it. Uh, but in our hearts, it is warm because Argentina. Are going to win the World Cup? Uh, apparently they are. Um, they have now taken outright their their own, just to be clear, not the overall FIFA, uh, but the Argentina national team record of 31 matches unbeaten, as it previously was, has now been extended. Uh, Argentina are now 32 games unbeaten under Lionel Scaloni. The previous record was Basile's team, wasn't it? Uh, Basile's team of the early 90s, yeah. Yeah. Um, after what we all thought was going to be, you know, a pretty tough test of that record uh, against yeah. European champions and not actually good enough to get to the World Cup, admittedly, but still, uh, Italy at Wembley and turned into, I mean, it could have been worse for Italy. I thought. Yeah, it could have been four or five nil easy. Absolutely. Absolutely easily. And I also thought that they were much better in the Italy were much better in the first half uh, than in the second half, even though they went in 2 0 down and then only conceded one more goal. Agreed. Really late on. Um, we're here to dissect that. We were hoping to talk to Santi on this episode because he was at the match yesterday. He's in London at the moment. Uh, but yeah, between my being busy and therefore not really being able to arrange a Zoom call at mm. a time when Santi will be awake. I mean, he might be awake now, but I wasn't going to make him stay up this late. <laughs> um, he'll just get involved next week, I think. Hopefully he's back on Saturday. So. Wonderful. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, the match itself. Now, I was only half watching for the first half, and then I sat down to watch the second half in earnest. And mm-hmm. as I said, I, from what I caught, Italy perhaps slightly unfortunate to go in two goals down at half-time, although I think Argentina were worth the lead. And then in the second half, there was a period of about 10 or 15 minutes where Argentina missed or had saved about five really good chances. Yeah, I think about uh, 20, 20, 25 minutes of the or the first part of the second half. Mm. But they were just all over. Um, really good. No, really good stuff from Argentina. I kind of got this 
uh, this doubt off their back about, oh, no, you can do it, you know. Against the South American teams that you face so many times over the last couple of years, but uh, what's it worth when you come up against a European side? And apparently it's even easier, um, which is great. Um, I thought they were a little bit different kind of tactically than, than what we've seen in a lot of the qualifiers and the Copa America. Uh, quite similar actually to how they set up against Brazil in the Copa America final. A uh, team that's just very compact, not you know uh, making making a habit of overusing the ball, looking for the for the direct passes more than than they tend to against, you know, probably the likes of Chile, Colombia, the 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 teams who are a little bit behind Brazil and and you'd assume most of the top European sides. Mm. Uh, so they can adapt. Um, they never really looked in danger of uh, of losing that lead once they got it. I think you're right in saying the first half was a little bit more even, although uh, quite uh, quite clearly in Argentina's favour. And then the second half was just brilliant to watch. Just they just cut loose against a team that almost stopped playing. It seems like they went in two 0 down and sort of decided, oh, that's it. We've um, we're not going to come back from this. Uh, not a great attitude, really, but possibly uh, related to why they're not going to be playing in November and December. I don't know. Um, no, just really good all round. Um, uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Lionel Messi said after the match that it was um, a nice morale booster because Italy would have been one of the favourites for the World Cup if they got there. Had they got there, yeah. Uh, and of course, A, it's a pretty big if given that they didn't get there, and B, I'm not really sure that that's true. I mean, they would have been, they would have gone in as European champions. Yeah, that's the, totally one of the teams to beat, definitely. And it's a big European country, so by default, the bookmakers are going to make them some of the shortest odds, but hmm. I'm not sure that. Have, you know, after their route through qualifying, and you know, what are we saying? If they got there by virtue of you know scraping through in a penalty shootout on the playoff, yeah, I guess to go to the World Cup, they would have had to beat Portugal, which would have been a fairly uh, fairly substantial fact in itself. So that true could have changed something if we're looking at, at that counterfactually. But uh, they're definitely one of the teams. You know, you think of the top. Well, let's just say the top ten European sides. You'd, yeah, you'd have Italy in there, mm. and those ten teams are the ones you usually have to beat at least one of them to to win the World Cup. It's very hard to win the World Cup without doing that. So I'm not going to say Argentina are favourites for the World Cup. I don't think none of the Argentina team want to say it. Uh, we'll leave TSC Sports to to talk to um, continue with that bullshit. Indeed. Uh, but we saw that. Um, they can give anyone a match I think they're not going to be easy opponents for for any team at the World Cup no indeed and obviously we, we spoke uh, after when, when was the last match the last Argentina match uh, they had some qualifiers in March which were a bit of a non-event because they qualified about six months before yes and uh, you know when, when they drew level with this unbeaten record I made the point that which, which you echoed a few minutes ago that they hadn't really I think they played one European opponent in that in that run, Germany in a friendly or something like in Germany in October two thousand nineteen, yeah. Um, and so you know that that's, that was a big question mark hanging over them, much like Brazil under T T. Wouldn't 
cool. 2018 World Cup qualifying was it when Brazil just ran away with it and looked like the best team yes. in South America and I kept saying yeah but they haven't played in the Europeans yet I don't think they're going to do that one at the World Cup and they went out in the quarter quarterfinals to be uh, fair in that game they absolutely played Belgium off the park but yeah. uh, the man of the moment Courtois hmm. was absolutely incredible indeed um, so that's a bit yeah a harsh comparison I think for Brazil because Nine times out of ten, they would have won that game. But oh yeah, no, I just want to underline the fact that I um, saw that coming, and you know, I'm a, I'm a oh, well. and, and so great seer of world football. <laughs> of course. Um, so you know, we're not going to get overly enthusiastic uh, about this, but having taken, uh, having broken the trophy drought last year, having. Mm. I guess you could say followed it up. I mean, you know, they've, they've won another trophy. And in fact, this is the continuation of um, the, uh, what was the, I can't remember the name, the official name of the old one, but the, the Copa Artemio uh, Franchi, anyway, was the, you know, colloquial name given to it. Um, that Argentina won in 1994, which was actually the very last trophy that Argentina won. Uh, prior to last year's Copa America, even oh, yeah. though obviously the, the actual trophy drought is counted from the Copa America um, onwards, but yeah, they beat Denmark. In the no, you, up. wait a minute. Oh, no, sorry. no, I was. I got my timeline a bit mixed up. I mm. thought the other Copa America win came in 1995 for a second. No, it was 91 and 93. Yeah, uh, so they, beat, they beat Denmark in a penalty shootout in Mar del Plata um, in January or February. 94 mm. uh, between obviously the winners of Euro 92 and the winners of the 93 Copa America uh, that was Maradona's last trophy yeah. with the national team and the reason I'm overall I think must be uh, well, possibly yeah. don't know whether he won anything after coming I don't uh, think no, he did played the matches did he uh, but yeah certainly that, uh, Maradona's last, last trophy with the national team anyway uh, and I found out or found out as if you know I've done some great research or something I, I <laughs> discovered for myself uh, last night when looking it up because I thought that does look similar uh, that it is in fact the same trophy that they awarded yesterday I, yeah. I thought oh that, that looks like a replica of it or something like they've done one to a very similar design but it's the same trophy they've just stuck a new base on it uh, so that's a nice little bit of continuity especially yeah, given that this is now going to be a regular thing you know the previous one mm. they played in um, this one in 19... 19- 94 and then the previous one before that was in 85 between France and Uruguay uh, who were the European champions from it would have been 84 mm-hmm. and the winners of the I think they would have been Uruguay won the Copa America in 83 or something like that um, France won that one so Argentina have won this for the third time now out of sorry the second time out second of three time. Uh, holdings dominant dominant um, and it's going to be a regular thing, supposedly. Brilliant. You know, if we that can is. rely on Commebol to do anything regularly. <laughs> but uh, they're going to be made to do this regularly because they're in conjunction with UEFA, who sometimes allegedly do know their ass from their elbow. Although, if you were paying attention to the Champions League final and everything around it the other day, then, of course, that could be very hotly debated. But that's not for us to cover. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um... On the pitch, there was I saw a little bit of talk pre-match, as I said, only a little bit because I was working, um, about how Italy were below strength and you know it was not going to be uh, that much of a test of Argentina's metal. But Argentina weren't uh, absolutely full strength either, were they? Because uh, yeah, Paredes two, wasn't. They had Paredes out and their two 
what seem to be the first choice fullbacks now. Although, to be fair, there's not that much in it. Marcos Acuña and Gonzalo Montiel were out, and Nahuel Molina and Nicolás Taliafico come in. Uh, Taliafico actually had a very good game, one of the best I've seen him in, uh, in the national team. And who came in for Paris? It would have been Guido, Guido Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah not, he's not quite as uh, eye-catching a player, I think it's fair to say, as Paris. He doesn't, you know, do these lovely sweeping passes. Um, he just kind of keeps his head down and and bustles about there. More of a Amachirano type than a Paredes type. But, but he's a, we know you know what he can he can do. He's not going to make mistakes when he comes in for Paredes. And I think that's really encouraging for this team because you can kind of take a lot of players out and you A, know who their replacement's going to be automatically and B, it doesn't affect the team. They... Just keep playing in the same way. Um, all of them, you know, you've got a core probably of what, uh, 16, 17 players, 18 players who have been in and out of the team for the last two years. Um, if one comes in, another goes out, then then you don't miss a beat. Mm. And that's crucial, really, especially, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to be looking forward to the World Cup. Uh, looking forward to the World Cup. Um, that's a very good sign. Um there's a couple of players who you'd say, oh shit, we need, you know, wrap these in cotton wool because if they get hurt, it's going to be a problem. Um, the likes of Emiliano Martinez, I think he's good. Not least because Franco Armani seems to still be the number two. And even then, the number three, you know, the, the, the third goalkeeper who travelled for this match is Geronimo Roli, who has... It looked a little bit iffy towards the, in the was it the Europa League match that I saw him play yeah. the, uh, the champion no Champions League yeah against Liverpool yes yes yeah yeah and you might um, have seen him in some European match at the end of the season no the keepers are there the problem is that Armani would be the number two hmm. um, and if by some horrific twist of fate Argentina have to go to a World Cup with Armani in goal that would be a bit of a bummer. Oh, but my point was that, you know, even if Rooney somehow wins it and becomes the number two ahead of Armani, that's not all that encouraging either from what I've seen. From no, him. I mean, I'd rather have him, but... I think yeah. it's quite a big drop-off from yes, Martinez. Yes, absolutely. And the other um, Martinez, I'm guessing, is the person you're going to say is the other. Uh, there are three, actually. Go on. And one of them isn't Messi, funnily enough. Interesting. Uh, Martinez, Cristian Romero, and, oh, yes, okay, yeah. Lautaro. Mm. I think... Those three players in the spine are absolutely essential. We'll have to see what happens with Julian Alvarez. Perhaps over the next six months, um, he's going to show, you know, going to really push on and and develop into a proper international class number nine. I don't think he's quite there yet, uh, but he seems to be, you know, getting closer and closer. Yeah, on the one um, hand, in the next six months, he's not going to be playing anywhere near as much first-team football. Yeah, it seems of, not, no. I'm guessing. Uh, but on the other, he's going to be training with some slightly better players. So, yeah. Out, um, and learning from some of the best, albeit from a strike partner who's rather a different style of striker to him. Um, but, yeah. He's definitely going to be going, based on the... He will Obviously, be going. Kyron, I don't think that's all why we're talking on Teise, because although Teise's uh, debating team don't really know what the hell they're talking about a lot of the time, their journalists are sufficiently close to the national team setup that if one of them says this player's going to the World Cup, 
I'm yeah, they're not far off. I feel fairly confident in saying that he is going to the World Cup. Um, and he got his first run out on an, on an English pitch. I was about to say on an Argentine pitch. Uh, last night, right? He wouldn't have played in England before, would he? I can't imagine. I mean, possibly for like the under-17s for Argentina mm. or something in some match we've long forgotten about. But <laughs> we're, we're going to say... I think it's a safe bet, yeah. In England. Uh, played the last... Well, oh, 85 minutes. So yeah, in fact, it was an even shorter run out than I thought. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll show more, I suspect, at some point of the season. And why... Uh, do you say that Messi isn't irreplaceable, Dan? He's, he's the best player. He's the best player. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought he had a really, really good match um, last night. I'm not exactly you know reinventing the wheel here, but um, he looked very, very good in this kind of more withdrawn, feeding, creative role that, um, that he's taken on, both with PSG and Argentina. Hmm. The difference being that Argentina fans, as discerning connoisseurs of football that they are, appreciate it, and the heathens over at PSG seem to resent them for it. Yeah, uh, wanting 2012 Messi still, which is a bit silly. Should um, have in 2012, shouldn't you? Yes, indeed. Um, but I think he's a player that, if uh, by some misfortune he's not available. Uh, there are other people that come in and obviously not do the same job as him because no one can do the same job as Messi, but uh, fulfil more or less the same role and keep the team ticking over. Sure. That's what, that would be where I'm going. One of whom, I'm shocked to inform you all, scored the third goal last night. Yes, Christ. Because apparently nobody told Italy's defenders that sending Paolo Di Bella on as a stoppage time substitution when your team are 2-0 up is basically the manager's version of when a really good attacking player whose team are comfortably winning decides to take the piss out of an opposing defender by doing a bunch of step-overs while standing stock still. Indeed, yeah. And they stood off him and actually allowed him to score a goal, which was set up by Messi, I've just realised, so he got two assists, didn't he? Um, it was, yeah, it was a half assist, really. Up. I mean, it, yeah, he created it and then it yeah. squirted free to Di Bella. But it's quite free, but then again, if you watch it, if you watch it back, four Italy defenders descend on him, mm. leaving Duela in blissful freedom. Yeah, um, which kind of shows you as well. Just you know, ninety-third minute of a well, a cup, but let's let's not get carried away about how much uh, this cup meant possibly to Italy, especially two 0 down in the ninety-third minute. Yeah, um, and they still find it necessary to stick four men on Messi just. Run from the halfway line with the with the the ball at his feet. Hmm. Um, it's it's something about him. Like, you just can't leave him alone, and and that's obviously a huge benefit for Argentina as well. Because if you've got four players on on one, the other nine on the outfield uh, gonna have a bit of space. You'd imagine. Yeah, and um, but. I- Italy's defenders, I mean, if they were aware of the situation unfolding, must have been in two minds. Because on the one hand, you must be thinking, uh, we can leave Dybala to it because he's not going to do anything if the ball does go to him. On the other mm. hand, I've almost been inclined to let Messi through because at least conceding a goal again to Lionel Messi is less humiliating. Yeah. At international level. Just to be very clear <laughs> here. Okay. If he's obviously, Dybala's, you know, I believe, available on a free transfer now. If my club were to sign him on a free transfer, I think he'd improve the team at club level. <laughs> magnificent player. At international level, that was his 33rd appearance for Argentina and his third goal for yeah. Which, given the reputation that he, well, used to carry into 
Argentina performances. Given that for so many years we had to put up with people saying, why are Argentina playing this useless idiot Messi when they <laughs> could be putting Paolo Dybala on the pitch? Um, is, you know, it's not great. Um, Maybe it's a European specialist. We've just been playing him against the wrong teams. Um, oh, all be. of these South American teams, yeah. Of course, as we... Keep I hypothesised on the WhatsApp group last night. Maybe it's just that the Italian defenders who have seen him playing in Serie A all these years yeah. aren't aware that he's not all that good. They think, oh no, Paolo Di Bala, he's the best striker in our league. And that's why they uh, allowed him to score, psychologically speaking. It's an interesting theory. Which of course A little means, nonsensical, but interesting nonetheless. Which of course means zero goals for him at the World Cup because he's not going to be playing Italy in the World Cup. Mm. We have to apologise to our Italian listeners at this point, or I have to apologise to our Italian listeners if we have any, because I've been ribbing you quite mercilessly now for a few minutes, so uh, we're going to stop. Anything else to say about the match? Um, I was very impressed, you know, not getting uh, off the pitch for a second, the amount of Argentine fans there. (laughs) Yeah, we, were talking about this, we were talking about this on WhatsApp with Santi just now. Yeah. 60,000 Argentine fans at Wembley, um, apparently, or somewhere mm. between 50 and about 60. About 2,000 Italians, if that. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> wasn't there. Let's be generous and assume that they occupied all of the other 27,000 tickets that were sold. <laughs> That'd be very generous. Mm. That's amazing. That's got to be getting onto all of the Argentines who are in England right now. Yeah. So it's not a, a huge community. No, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and yet, in other ways, given you know what we always end up talking about when there's a World Cup and Argentina somehow managing to sell more tickets than anybody apart from England and the United States, even though the, even though the economy is constantly in the shitter here and nobody can actually afford to travel, it's completely unsurprising as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, just find a way. So, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, it was it was nice to see them doing the laps of honour and stuff after I left the TV on for a bit and just mm. watched it and it was like yeah there were a lot of people there and, did you get uh, scared too when they started throwing Messi up in the in the air well, no. like, just put him down he's a he's an old man now he's 34 <laughs> nearly 35 he could like he could break a hip or something just leave him on the floor you know see that might be old to you Dan but to me it's he's still a young man so you know, I'm always going to be he's always going to be a year younger than me <laughs> And there's nothing I can do about that. I think seven seven months to be precise. Lucky you. Yeah. But I know that. Still young as well. I'm using my experience. You know, I'm as a 35 year old. Mm. If someone just started chucking me up in the air, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't get out of it without break something, breaking something. No, I'd be a bit scared for my shoulder. But then my okay. shoulder's been bad since I'm a teenager. Well, actually, since I was born, it's congenital. So there we go. But anyway, um, Argentina's next test of their unbeaten record is going to be against another allegedly very difficult opponent by virtue of being a European opponent mm. an opponent whose morale will be sky high because they're coming off um, a 2-0 victory in the UEFA Nations League against the international powerhouse of European football that is San Marino oh. um, because in Pamplona in the stadium of Osasuna Argentina on Sunday are taking on Estonia um, what do we know about the Estonian national team and how much of a threat are they expected to pose to Argentina, Daniel? I know absolutely nothing. Didn't Estonia have a moderately famous player a few years back? Maybe. All right. Mm. I can't think of the name, but it was one of those players you, like, you could see and then you'd be like, oh, he's Estonian, that's kind of funny. But I can't remember for the life of me who it would be. Um, 
It's interesting. You could say that both teams are going into it, into the game in very similar similar form, having both beaten handsomely uh, a team from the Italian peninsula. Yeah, yeah, the Italian speaking sides. Yeah, indeed. Um, I don't know if you remember how good your memory is. Um, I think we actually mentioned it recently, or Santi did, just to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Um, something like 2014 uh, for Racing, Sebastian Saka. Yeah. Um, the first game of the season against Rosario Central. He needed to keep a clean sheet for about 28 minutes oh, yeah. to beat Agustin Sejas's, um, uh goalless record for yeah. for Racing. I conceded almost as the commentator was announcing that he had like... 30 seconds after he got a huge round of applause, a nice big screen greeting, he kicked the ball straight to a central player who went off and knocked it straight back into the net. Hmm. If Argentina lose against Estonia, (laughs) this would be the equivalent of Chino Saka's very, very bittersweet... um, Goalless record, I think, mm. or record without conceding. I don't know. The goalless record sounds a bit weird in a football context. Least conceding list. That I like that. Yeah, yeah. let's go for that. Um, but I think I trust them to succeed where uh, where Gino fails. Yeah, um, are we push it at least a one one more game. This is a, a semi-rhetorical question because, on the one hand, I genuinely don't know uh, right. because I've not been paying that much attention. And I am asking you to tell me, but on the other hand, I am very much assuming that the answer is going to be yes. Are we expecting, uh, I won't say lots, but a few changes to the starting lineup for Sunday? I'd assume so, yeah. I, I can't say I've been following any of the um, the media talk really after after the game. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's a good chance for, for a few, few other players to come in, especially... Those kind of on the fringe of the squad. I wouldn't be surprised, for example, if if they give Juliana a start because why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, see we'll see. People's throwing up any um, any recent headlines about it at the moment. They're all just talking about the match yesterday, though. By the look of it. Uh, Why's the T says set so garish? This pink. What's going on with that? I quite like that shade of pink. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a bit much. Anyway. Um, I've, I have just come across a headline here that says uh, that Argentina, with yesterday's win, have overtaken Brazil as the most, sense. most trophy-winningest national team in the world, if you just count all of the trophies as if they were worth exactly the same. Obviously, mm. you know, in fairness, Argentina have won a shitload more Copas America than Brazil have, mm. uh, albeit not quite as many World Cups. I'd rather have a couple more World Cups, to be honest. Yes. Uh, but, you know, maybe they'll win it later this year and go too clear of Brazil. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is Argentina's 21st title at, at full national team level, it says here. Um, and Brazil, I mean, the way that this is written, it doesn't actually give a, a definite number, but the implication, clearly, in the wording of this article that I'm skim reading is that Brazil have 20. Ah, yeah, there we go. Argentina have 21 now. Brazil have 20 titles. And Uruguay have 19. Mm. Oh, this is... No, no, no. It is, yeah, two, two World Cups, 15 Copas America, two Copas de Campeones, which is the Spanish language official name for the thing they won yesterday. 
uh, one Confederations Cup and one Pan American Cup. Brazil's 20 are five World Cups, nine Copas America, four Confederations Cups, and two Pan American Cups. There you go. Uruguay's 19. Do you want to have a go at those? Uh, they have 14 Copas America as well? 15. Same 15. As, same as Argentina. Argentina drew level with them. Ah, there we go. Uh, two World Cups, obviously. Yes. Are they counting the Olympic Games as full titles? Yes, well, of course uh, they yeah, are. They've got two two Olympic Games, which means which are which are recognised as FIFA World competitions. Yeah, the pre the pre World Cup ones, which is why they're not yes. counting Argentina's or Brazil's Olympic Games. Indeed. Uh, and in third, in fourth place, sorry, on this list, do you want to have a go at guessing who this might be? Uh. Is it a non-European in South Amer- or South American? It is. A little bit of lateral thinking will uh, lead you to what is actually, once you hear it, a very obvious answer. I'm going to plump for Japan. No. Oh, Mexico. Mexico, of course. 11 CONCACAF Gold Cups. <laughs> that helps. One Confederations Cup. Uh, three NAFC Cups, which I'm guessing is going to be... North American Football Confederation or something like that. So what, sounds yeah, sounds possible. Predecessor to the Gold Cup, maybe, and one Concacaf Cup, which I'm guessing is going to be what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, they, so they've got sixteen, and then in fifth place is Germany, who have won eight things. Mm. So there you go. Argentina are officially thirteen titles better than Germany. Excellent. Um, but I can't find any news about who's expected to be selected on Sunday against Estonia. We'll have to see, yeah, I think um, who's less hungover, I guess, will will come into play a lot. Yes, after the wild celebrations that would have um, been happening for four days straight following battering Italy in a Definitely. largely fun, don't get me wrong, and I'm glad it's been revived, but a not particularly meaningful um, trophy match. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say? On the national team? I don't think we do, right? Should we go to half-time now? and then Let's go to half-time and then do a proper preview. league preview. Because it's come round again after the long, long closed season. Yeah. We, the we've league is back. Sitting around twiddling our thumbs and, and waiting desperately. For like, almost two weeks. Like starving and, and parched-throated men in the desert waiting for the return of domestic Argentine football. And at last, after all of... Is it quite going to be 10 days? It might be 11 days, mightn't it? Mm. Um, since the last domestic campaign ended, the new one is coming and is joining us. Uh, oh, by the time this goes online, it'll be today. I'm, I'm assuming that the first match is going to be on Friday night. You think so, yeah. So don't go away. Just counted, uh, it's going to be 12 days between 12 days. the end of the Copa de la Liga and the beginning of the Liga. Um, and in the meantime, we have had a little bit of domestic football. We have had one match fewer of domestic football. One, one match less? It's uncountable, isn't it, in that situation, uh, than we should have done. 
because in the Copa Argentina, um, Tigre versus Los Andes uh, didn't happen on yeah. Wednesday because Los Andes players didn't turn up at <laughs> Deportivo Morón's stadium. Um, do you know why? I, I don't. Just read I that they haven't that. turned up, and I, I read a, an article. I, quite a lengthy news article about it because I was like oh I wonder why they didn't turn up this article will tell me at some point and it didn't and it, it didn't. just went on at great length about how Tigres players turned up for the match as if it was going to be happening and went out and did their warm ups and their proper kit and everything and I was thinking yeah they have to do that even though they know the opponents aren't there because if they don't do that they don't get the win awarded to them uh, and at no point did it actually go into the reasons for Los Angeles not going um, so that match was awarded to Tigre uh as a walkover mm. and we have now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, that's the last 26 isn't it? No, so we're not on to the next round of, um, I was just counting out the matches basically that are showing us still to be played here uh, and hoping that I was going to be able to tell you that we were into the last 32 or something but we're not. So Apparently they were annoyed because the game was... Uh, reschedule at the last minute because of Tigres uh, involvement in the Copa Liga final which um, was a week and a half ago yes so why was the match rescheduled at the last minute mm, I don't know this is all very AFA isn't it yes anyway um, Liga Profesional de Football the opening fixtures uh, oh, we went through this last week, actually, didn't we? So I won't read them all out again. Um, because it was going to be uh, behind closed doors and Los Andes didn't want to exclude their fans, so they decided to exclude themselves as well. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. <laughs> their loss. Seems so. Literally. Um, do we have anything, any, any exciting transfer news or um, I don't know what other people do with these league previews already? I've forgotten. Uh, I don't think there were were time for transfers were there no probably not San Lorenzo are expected to sign a few players I think I saw because I mean they'd have players they've got are all absolutely useless Um, but yeah that's got to be about it right oh there's been some more rumours about who's going to be replacing Julian Alvarez at River as well and I've already forgotten who they've involved there is one very exciting uh, transfer rumour going about Mm-hmm. involving Vélez and Diego Godin. Oh, uh, yes. Apparently yeah. he's Vélez bound. Uh, thanks to Seba Garcia, actually, for bringing this to our attention in our WhatsApp group. That'd be brilliant. He's one of my favourite defenders of these pastimes. And seeing him up close and personal in Argentina, where he can really unleash his, uh, his dirtier side, Yes, yeah, it yeah. would be a lot of fun. Uh, really a lot of fun yeah it's, it's tempting to say that nobody's going to be scoring any goals against Venice with him in defence but inevitably people will and it, so I think actually it's going to be really interesting to see um, because we're kind of used to, to you know these grizzled players who are still you know obviously well past their best but uh, have still got it and can still show that they've got it coming mm. and then I feel like they're more often attacking players the defenders seem to wait until they're really over the hill. Yeah, it seems um, to be the way. And Godin is obviously no spring chicken, but 
it doesn't feel like an awfully long time ago since he was at his peak. And his peak was a lot higher than most of the other defenders who come back here. And Just a lot of defenders in general, yeah. In his case, he's not coming back. This will be his first uh, spell in Argentine football, if if it happens. Um, I think, yeah, that, that'd be interesting. Interesting to see. Yeah, I think we should at least get a few towering headers from corners out of it, mm. which is what we always like to see. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Uh, just having a look through the transfers... And yes, very um, very little action. Um, there's another Vélez new- piece of Vélez news. They've let uh, Boca legend Carlos Lampe go to... Oh, I've already forgotten since I scrolled past it. He has gone to... Somewhere else in Argentina? Or... Somewhere else in Argentina. Atletico Tucumán. Oh, all right. So that's something... Um, I've just seen Boca are being um, linked with Cavani again Independientes Domingo Blanco and the other Romero twin yeah which sounds like trouble because it seems like the Romero twins one by one you know very good players very talented Oscar Oscar had a very good um, end to the Copa de la Liga but, but both together is a recipe for trouble if you ask, if you um, take the San Lorenzo experience into into account. That didn't end very well. No, indeed. Speaking of San Lorenzo, because I did Google them a minute ago to see who they were linked with, um, I, I, I found a quote which, if I were a San Lorenzo fan, the beginning of this quote would worry me. Uh, it's from Ruben Insua, who is the manager of San Lorenzo mm-hmm. uh, these days, uh, saying that he likes Ricardo Centurion. Uh, but then there's a but, which would make me much more relaxed. And the but is that Ricardo Centurion is not going to be playing for San Lorenzo again. According I'm to, shocked. According to the man who is yeah. currently managing San Lorenzo, who yeah. ought to know, you would think. There's uh, an interesting one for Independiente. They've, they're apparently going to bring Lucas Biglia back to Argentina. Oh, okay. I can't imagine he has any sort of knee left, but then that's kind of the profile that in yeah. opinion they look for these days they do like a a good needless player how old is he? Uh, he's not that, that old sense. but he's um, he's been through the wars yeah and Racing's sole transfer as of yet is Emiliano Vecchio who has come from Rosario Central okay hmm where's he going to fit into Racing's team? I I can't remember who plays to be honest Striker? He's a striker, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, would, would you have him ahead of... Uh, I'm guessing that your answer's going to be no, given that you weren't sure where he played. Uh, <laughs> but given that that is the one area of Racing's team that you were saying could maybe use a little bit more depth or... Yes, depth definitely. Or, or outright quality, maybe yes. up front, you know. Um, um, yeah, they definitely need someone, and he apparently is someone. Mm. So, good. Yeah, he's definitely got um, a, a DNI. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is the name of the ID card here in case you're uh, not aware of that um, so yeah things get underway on as I predicted with the benefit of my years of experience <laughs> following this league uh, on Friday evening mm. with the curtain raiser to end all curtain raisers when Barracas Central oh. host Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero in one of the Clásicos de los Centrales. Indeed. The other one, of course, will be either of those two teams playing against Rosario Central. 
Um, and I think we already said last week that the main two sort of standout fixtures uh, are the the default standout fixture, which is the all big five one between San Lorenzo and Independiente on Saturday afternoon, and then the actual standout fixture, which is the Clásico Platense, mm. being played at uh, at that was a very strange thing I did with that vowel, <laughs> wasn't it? Being played at five o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Um, in Estudiantes Stadium. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun to watch. I can't remember how the other one, the last Clásico turned out, although I assume, given Estudiantes' form in the last Copa, that they must have won it. They did not. It was a 1-1 draw. Of course it was, yes. Uh, with that goal with about half a second left to play. Something like seven minutes into stoppage time, I, I feel like. Uh, uh, and the one before that was a 4-4. 4 yeah. Uh, both in Gimnasia Stadium, and the one before that was a nil-nil draw in Estudiantes Stadium. Uh, and that must the one be before that. <laughs> yeah, was a one-nil win for Estudiantes in Gimnasia's ground, and then it was a one-nil win for Estudiantes in their own ground. Uh, overall, this es- must be Gimnasia's longest unbeaten Clásico run for Estudiantes. Oh, sorry, yeah, you mean Gimnasia's. These three draws just now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was trying to look for when Estudiantes last lost one, and that was. Uh, 2011 something like uh, that 2015 2015 uh, Gimnasia won 3-1 oh no hang on no, that's an Estudiantes away win they didn't <laughs> um, Gimnasia last beat Estudiantes 2014 2nd of February 2014 Oof. in a torneo de verano so ah. even a competitive match <laughs> good grief Gimnasia's last competitive win was in wow before we started recording under pod 3rd of February 2010 uh, I was close, 2011, I said. Yeah, you were. Uh, since then, they have played each other. One, two, three. We're not going to count the Tornados de Verano. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen times. Glad with yeah. actually a really, really large number of draws uh, and a few Estudiantes wins. That's not good. If you're it's a Gimnasia fan. Gimnasia fan. It's nah. great for Estudiantes fans. Or, well, I guess it's sort of middling for Estudiantes fans, given that they have been quite undeniably better than Gimnasia for most of that time and still haven't managed to win most of the matches. Um, but, you know, it's fine. Uh, and another potentially interesting match, or entertaining match, I should say, is, unfortunately for those of you in Europe, it's going to be kicking off at half past nine on Sunday night, Argentine time, which is going to be the middle of the night for Europeans, uh, is Defensa y Justicia versus River. Mm. Um, Racing host Huracan Copa de la Liga winners Boca at home to Arsenal Arsenal a couple of hours before Defensa versus Riva Um, and Copa de la Liga finalists Tigre are I can't see them either they're away to Union on Mm. Sunday afternoon Sunday lunchtime Um, looking forward to the league season done yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an interesting world, particularly for Racing, because the first half of the year, which started uh, with such enthusiasm, such optimism, kind of bottomed out in the end, going out in the semis to Boca in the Copa Liga, and then going out of the, so- the Copa Sudamericana last week mm. amid a stream of fucks from Handapod. Um... Yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be all on 
it's going to be up to the team to bounce back and and put in a good shift now in the league because uh, even if they didn't win it um, overall they're still very well placed uh, now you've got to look not just at the at the table you know winning the league but also the annual table which is what is going to count for the Libertadores right now Racing top it because they had the best regular season record well, of course um, yeah so the knockout stages didn't the, count the man. Copa de la Liga didn't count no. that just does they won't count on the um, relegation table either exactly um, they are currently five points clear of Defensive Cordicia who occupy the first Sudamericana spot so mm-hmm. it's a nice little cushion but it will evaporate very quickly if they carry on in um, in this funk and don't just snap out of it and pick up where they left off in the regular season yeah um, and I think they can do it you know it's, it's not like they've had a whole massive amount of time to um, to stew over their mistakes and forget how to play football they've it's only going to be nine days since their you know between their last Sudamericana game and their first league game mm. so you think it won't <laughs> the break won't affect them too much it's no, basically yeah. you know the football equivalent of a long weekend um, if Vecchio comes in and and gives a little bit more depth to the to the forward line. That can only be a good thing. Uh, as far as I can see at the moment, there um, there haven't been any been any significant exits from Racing. That obviously could change once the European transfer window really gets up and up and running. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Saturday's match is going to be key. Kick off against. A middling team, would that be fair to say, of Huracan so far? I feel like Huracan have been a middling team for pretty much the whole of this podcast's existence. They've been a crap team for, for some spells, yeah. but I think this year they've been middling. Uh, so it'll be a good test and definitely one you think they need to get three points on the board, go straight off and then then go from there, really. Mm. Uh, the league's you know, obviously a bit longer than the Copper, but not. A huge amount more, so you can't be, you can't really afford to to throw away points. And the good thing about not being in the sort of mini gun is that now they can just go straight for the league, and that's exactly what they've got to do. So you've got the year round standings up on your phone screen. Oh, I did. I just well, you did off. Yes, what I was trying to say, so you get a little bit of a chance to get it back up. Yes, because I saw that thumb moving. Um, who, uh, which teams are currently occupying the? How many limited or spots are there? Six? Seven? Uh, four. Four. Oh. On your table. oh, right, because there's one from the Copa Argentina and one from the Copa de la Liga that's yes. finished. So, yeah. Defensive Odyssey would be in it now, or how's it work? Who are the top four in the, in, in the, the standings? The top four in order are Racing, River, Estudiantes, and Boca. So, those teams, are, as it stands, are in the Libertadores. Boca are already in. Because they won the oh, Copa yes, de la Liga. Sure. So that means that the team in fifth, who are? Defensive Justicia. Okay. So they've been presumably in Libertadores as well. I think so, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. We'll get back to you on that later in the year. Uh, do you want to give us a relegation update, though? Because we do know the situation there. It is still, incredibly annoyingly, the Promedios. And you are on the exact right website for that, from what I can see. Uh, uh, it gets all, it gets a bit squiffy because the team that wins the league will also have a, their own spot, even if they finish somehow outside of the oh, I see what you mean, annual yeah. table. So, yeah. 
At the moment, it's the top three in the annual table, plus Boca as Copa Liga champions, uh-huh. plus the Copa Argentina champions, plus whoever wins uh, this championship. Lovely. So if one of the teams in the top three wins the championship, it will go down to number four or number five in the case that Boca stay in the top four. Right. I think okay. that makes sense. Cool. And relegation? Relegation... Just fill us in on like the bottom. There's two teams going down, aren't there? There are. So who are the bottom two and then who are the, I don't know, three teams above them or something? Uh, the bottom two are Padronato, who mm. are in really big trouble. Yeah. They're currently 10 points adrift of second bottom Gore Cruz. Uh, and really... Is that on the same number of points? On the, uh, of matches played, sorry. On the same number of points. Oh, wow, okay. And 13 points behind Atletico Tucumán, who are fourth from bottom, and they're, but third from bottom if you take into account only the teams who have a full amount of fixtures. Sure. Their best bet is going to be uh, either Platense, who are third bottom, or Sarmiento, fifth. Uh, tanking and losing their, um, you know, having more points taken away because of yeah. dividing them. But they would be my top tip to go down. Yeah, they're surely up. doomed, aren't they? It, I mean, they've had their nine lives, surely. Yeah. And Barraca Central, as we have mentioned a couple of times, I think already this year, it turns out, not only have got the AFA and the officials on their hands by virtue, on their hands? In their pockets? Yes. What did I mean to say when I went for on there? On their side. On their side. Where, where did I get hands from? Anyway, <laughs> not only have they got AFA officials and uh, match officials on their hands by virtue of being cheeky tapias, uh, that one was deliberate by the way, uh, favourite team, but it also turns out that they're actually not entirely crap at playing football, quite annoyingly. They're, <laughs> they're not an awful team. No, compared to a lot of the teams in there, they're not so they are incredibly unlikely, I think it's fair to say, to get relegated, even though they're also incredibly unlikely to win the league. Indeed. Um, and Dan mentioned at the beginning of that little rundown, uh, it reminded us of his... Um, in hindsight, I felt slightly bad, really, about making you record while that was happening <laughs> last week, because it was, I'm sure it was very entertaining for all of the non-Racing fans listening to it, and it was pretty entertaining for me at the time, but then when I was listening back to it, during the, episode, uh, the editing process, I thought, oh, I'm not sure that I would have liked to be doing that if Man United were getting humiliated. And, or, or even not humiliated, but just going out of a European Championship in a uh, frustrating manner. Uh, so well done to you for pressing through that. Um, I did well, kid. But we do, of course, now have the last 16 draws for the Copa Libertadores <laughs> and the Copa Sudamericana. So the Libertadores last 16... And the reason I'm reading these in particular is because we've had a question about it. Um, these aren't going to be played until the first legs look like they're going to be on the week of the... Well, the, the last week of June, basically. So we've got most of the month before this gets started. Uh, but they are going to be Deportes Tolima versus Flamengo. Corinthians versus Boca. And if that sounds familiar, it's because those two teams met in the group stage. Mm-hmm. They did, didn't they? I'm not making that up. Yes. Yeah. Um, Cerro Porteño versus Palmeiras. Emelec versus Atlético Mineiro, Vélez versus River, uh, Fortaleza versus Estudiantes, Atlético Paranaense versus Club Libertad, and Tacheres versus Colón. So, two all Argentine clashes. Mm-hmm. Um, Vélez River should be decent. Tacheres Colón means that we're guaranteed at least one of Tacheres or Colón in the quarterfinals 
of the Copa Libertadores. And we're guaranteed an Argentine semi-finalists, which we didn't have last year. Oh, I didn't. I haven't seen the tree. So who's playing who? Uh, the winner of Tacheres and Colón yeah. go to pl- go on to play the winner of Vélez and River. Oh, cool. Okay. You probably could have guessed that from. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I realised that almost as soon as I asked the question, I was like, yeah, obviously it's going to be the winners of those two. Indeed. And the other good news is we can't have a Super Clasico final. Ah, because they would play Boca in the final in the, in the semis. semis. They got yes. that far. Okay. Granted, Boca have to get past Corinthians and then probably Flamengo. Mm. Um, and how, take a guess whether uh, a lot of Boca fans uh, float in the old river communable conspiracy theory. Um, I'm going to go for yes. Indeed. You yeah. would not be wrong. No, because everything is run by conspiracy theories, regardless of who. Everything's run by River. Yeah, sure, if you're yeah. a Boca fan. Nothing to so, do with the fact that River finished up their group and had the better seeding and Boca finished second. That would just be ridiculous. Uh, Boca finished first. They finished first, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, because oh. this was one thing that I mentioned after the... Um, oh, I do feel a bit sorry for him. <laughs> that you might have missed out on was that hilariously, while Boca were beating Deportivo Cali 1-0 in the match that mm. took place after we recorded uh, last week, um, some uh, Corinthians were held 1-1 in San Paolo <laughs> by Always Ready. And as a result, Boca, who started the the evening off, I think, in third place of the group and possibly going out of everything, um, ended up winning the group and Corinthians finished second and then they get drawn against each other. <laughs> um, so yeah, in fact, Boca versus River could have been drawn in the last 16, but it wasn't. Um, and of course, that does mean as well, given the route that you've just told me, that, as we mentioned last week, River would be at home all the way to the final right. uh, in the second leg because the only team who finished above them in the standings was, was it Palmeiras? Palmeiras. Was top. Um, so Palmeiras and River both, however far they go in the tournament, they will have their second legs at home in all of their ties. In the Copa Sudamericana, sorry Dan, uh, but we do have to do this, the last 16 is, and again, I didn't mention this for the Libertadores, but as you might have just worked out, um, the f- these are the, the first legs that I'm reading out basically so the team with home advantage in the second leg will be named second in the fixtures I'm about to say Universidad Católica de Chile versus San Paulo Colo Colo versus Internacional Deportivo Táchira versus Santos The Strongest versus Serra Olimpia versus Atlético Guayanense Goianiense. I'd never noticed that second word. Yeah. I thought it was always Goianiense, <laughs> but it's Goianiense. No. Independiente del Valle versus Lanús. Cali versus Melgar. Uh, Nacion- and Nacional versus Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have Union, Lanús. Uh, oh, that's it. It's just Union and Lanús from Argentina. Union and Lanús, yes. Uh, in the last 16 there. Um, I don't know what the tree looks like for that one either. But I'm Lanús, uh, I've got it tough. They will play the winner of Tachira and Santos, which must be Santos, uh, you think. And then in the semis, they're looking at Internacional, Deportivo Cali, Colo Colo or Melgar. Yeah. Ish. Uh, Union are a little bit better off. They're in. They're playing the seven teams I didn't mention. They've <laughs> got the softer side of the draw, yeah. which only includes what San Paulo. San Paulo, who would be not until the semis. A, a potential trip to La Paz if they play the strongest. Also in the semis. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah the strongest in San Paulo, who hopefully for 
from Union's perspective, we kick the shit out of each other. Indeed. Enough to soften each other up for the semis. One of the, in fact, I'm going to say the only possible positive thing that I can see from our discussion last week about how silly it is to have the third place mm-hmm. Libertadores teams going through um, to the last 16 of the Sudamericana is that it means that we get to see the strongest in the last 16 of a continental competition. Yeah. Because, of course, they're always in the Libertadores and they always go out in the group stage. Um, I think it was actually quite fortuitous in one way that Racing didn't get through looking at their draw because if they would have gone in instead of Melgar, they would have ended up playing Deportivo Cali after all of the shit that happened uh, last week, it was, yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it in the end. I think we mentioned it in passing. We mentioned it in passing. We said we talked about it. I made a mental note to say, oh, I'm going to ask you about that in a few minutes when you finish talking. And then I completely forgot to. So what happened last week? Do you want me to give it... It actually started the previous week. Um, I'll give you a very potted history. Um, So in Racing's penultimate Suramanicana game against Melgar, a group of Deportivo Cali Barras, or Barra adjacents, who were already in Buenos Aires, uh, went to the game. Ah, sorry, right, so this is Racing versus Deportivo Cali. No, uh, sorry, versus, Racing versus against Belga. Yes, which. And like a day or on the same day or the next day or something, Cali will play in Boca, right? Uh, no, they were just there. They were just in Buenos Aires. They were just in Buenos Aires, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not Can't sure why. <laughs> I'm guessing they had a faction of the Barra lives in Buenos Aires sometimes, I don't know. Colombians in Buenos Aires? Yeah, I know it's um, outlandish, yeah. but. But uh, humour me. Um, so these Deportivo Cali fans brought their tickets because um, it was open sale. Uh, went to the terrace and nicked a banner from the um, which was already uh, hung up on the uh, on the crash barriers on the fen- on the perimeter fences. Better said. Okay. Um, got it back to the hotel or wherever Dos House they were they were staying at. Um, and took videos basically laughing at the Racing Barra. Anyone who is aware of how Barras tend to operate mm. will guess that the Racing Barra, uh, which has in turn been in a whole load of internal shit recently, um, a new kind of faction, Los Pibes de Racing, uh, took it over with, uh, with a few heads busted over the... Um, over the last few months and years, um, they didn't find that they didn't see the funny side. Oh, they didn't just laugh it off. They didn't just laugh it off. No, funny enough, um, so they went and kidnapped two or three Deportivo Cali fans who were supposedly behind it. Uh, took them to a hotel in Once, locked them up, and proceeded to beat and torture them. I mean, the hotel in Once bit is scary enough as it is. I think you all know if you end up in a hotel in Once, nothing good's going to come <laughs> of it. Come like that. No. Um, beat and torture, the, torture them to try and find the whereabouts of this uh, banner until someone staying either in the neighbouring room or the neighbouring building kind of heard the cries of anguish, called the police and they were forced to scarper. Which says, it's, which says something in and of itself because you must imagine that if you live next to a hotel in Onse, you must be very used to hearing squeals and cries and yells and weird noises so the fact that they I'll, were I'll be honest anguished I'm, enough to make you call the police I'm used to that just from living next to my next door neighbours indeed so that's girls who scream at each other yeah. all the so just time. imagine what it would be like in an onse hotel, onse hotel 
can we give a London equivalent? I don't know London well enough. I'm a Soho like deep, dirtiest Soho hotel. Something yeah, like that. I mean, or maybe even just somewhere in a really rough area of New York when New York was supposed to be terrifying in like the nineties. Yeah, like Times Square Hotel where I've, where you know prostitutes used to go. Uh, Basically, that kind of area. Like. If you ever visit Onse, yeah. Uh, if you ever visit Buenos Aires as a tourist, you, it, it, there's no real reason to go to Onse. I got to know it quite well the first few times. I if you live here, it's very useful to go my, to. My ex-girlfriend in the lived out in the Sona West there, yeah. so we'd get the train into Buenos Aires and we'd get off in Onse, but there's no real reason for you to go there and you don't really want to. No, unless you want to buy cheap, low-quality clothes. Oh, there's that big tomb in uh, Plaza Miserere, isn't there? One of the presidents is buried in the middle of the plaza, but I can't remember which president. I couldn't tell you. Um, so how, how did this story... Uh, Continue, right. Torture, hotels, calls, police, uh, they all left. Then there was another clash. This was um, indeed just before the the Boca game between um, Racing Barras and Iba Deportivo Cali. Ah, no, it was when they they did a uh, demonstration at the Obelisco. Bernardino Rivadavia. There we go. A very easy Argentine historical figure to forget, of course. Indeed. Um, Deportivo Cali fans got together to make a bit of noise at the Obelisco before the game. A load of Racing fans descended on them, all ended up in punch-ups. A couple of people got stabbed, I think. All got a little bit messy. Uh, And then the final chapter was the police descending on Puerto Madero, uh, arresting about 50 Deportivo Cali fans, a lot of whom were also carrying knives. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw various pictures of machetes and stuff. Or, well, maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but some of them look like very big knives. Yes, um, kind of Parisha-esque, Parisha knives, you know, to cut up your manly pieces of meat. Yes. Um, well, I don't know is if they ever got the banner back. Uh, let me see. That is, of course, the most important part of this whole story. I think the most important part is that they won't play each other now in the last 16 of the Copa Sudamericana, and that is... Probably for the best. Uh, better for everyone concerned. Apparently, yes. Recuperaron la bandera de Racing. Oh, good. Well, that's the nice. police managed to get it back um, while they were arresting these uh, Deportivo Cali fans. Okay. Funny enough. Well, there we go. It's got a heartwarming end to the tale yes. at the end of it. Shall we move on to listeners' questions? I think it's time, yes. Now, um, I need to just explain something before I read these out, and that something is that um, each afternoon or evening before we record, as those of you who follow us on Twitter will be aware, I tweet out a little thing, and sometimes I remember to do it earlier than others. Mm. Um, and it's always tweeted from my from TweetDeck on my laptop, saying that later on, whoever's going to be involved in the recording this evening will be recording Handapod number this. Any questions for us? Um, and I then, when I get here to Dan's, open up Twitter on my phone, on the Hand of Pod account, and look at our notifications and read the questions out from that. Uh, I have got here this evening, and when Dan went out for a cigarette during our half-time break, I started to scroll through, and for some reason, my mobile browser, in its infinite wisdom, has seen fit to log me out of the Hand of Pod Twitter account, and, again, for some reason, because this is synced to the desktop, so it should have my password saved, but it I, I can't remember the password, and I can't get back into the Hand of Pod account, because... 
the, the browser hasn't saved it either. Uh, so that means all I can do is go into the Hand of Pod Twitter account as if I was not the person who owned it. <laughs> I can just read him if you like, Sam. Exactly. No, I can be Sam. That's what I'm saying. Ah, all I can do is what, you, what you're about to do, right. if you want to, yeah. uh, which is look at our mentions, but I can't actually... So I can just look at the, the people who've replied to my call for questions rather than anybody who might have tweeted a question during the week just tweeting at us. I think we did get one... Can you remember it? Or can you see it then? Because I can't oh, I'd see have it to in my scroll. list. I All I've got is tweets and replies, and it isn't showing me anything that people have tweeted without replying, if you see what yeah. I mean. Yeah. I remember we got one right at the end, if you give me two seconds. I haven't been tweeting that much recently, to be honest, but I did last night and got a load of uh, interactions because... Because Argentina had uh, just played. Because Argentina had just played, yeah. That tends to be the only time anyone, yeah, I anyone those pays days. attention. Except for when the league stuff was happening. You'd occasionally get somebody wanting to call oh, if a I, fucking idiot for... I don't know, if I did it just on mentions, that's going to make the whole process a lot quicker, isn't it? Probably. Um... Oh, and then I oh, yes also go tweet out my my articles and tag me in it, and then I get a whole load of uh, answers. Here we go. I found it. It is from Derek Rowan. Okay. I think he just missed the cut, and he asks, "Who are the front runners for promotion? My beloved Ferro are languishing in the Nacional B." Ah, oh, yeah. Well remembered. This one came in just after we finished recording last week. Uh, we Damn, said a couple of weeks ago. Um, last time I checked, really, I think, was it a an extra we did on the on the lower leagues? I think it might have been. Yeah, which um, therefore probably hasn't gone online yet. Excellent. Um, so it's completely out of date. Possibly, honestly, <laughs> can't remember. Um, <coughs> at the moment, Belgrano are top of the second division, as they were, I think, when we recorded. Yeah. Yes, some of the top men are up there. Brandi Adrovi, right up there. Instituto, Almagro, All Boys. And then a lot of other teams because there are like 10 playoff places. Yeah. Um, I'd quite like Estudiantes de Buenos Aires to come up to the Primera. Really? Yeah, just so that the whole Estudiantes de la... It would be fun to have two Estudiantes up there to have to clarify. <laughs> I like having to clarify things. This is why I became a proofreader. <laughs> I, like, I like to be pedantic about stuff. Um, I'd love to see Brown de Adragueda or just to better. have the great Pablo Vico true coaching in the in the top flight true even the guy who lives in Brown Stadium or at least he has done in the past he's been what yes I think we talked about that yeah a couple of years he's ago. been the coach for what 20 years something like that yeah um, even more confusing than Estudiantes de Buenos Aires who actually uh, if you ever do come to Buenos Aires their stadium is very very close to, mm. oh no I'm thinking of Excursionistas C-A-E I was going to say close to rivers, but it isn't. Um, would be Estudiante de Rio Cuarto coming up to the Primero. They are in one of the playoff spots. Yeah. How so about this eventuality? Go on. Uh, Estudiantes de Buenos Aires and Gimnasia de Mendoza yes. both going up. Yes, I know please. you'd be all over that. And Estudiante de Rio Cuarto with the third uh, spot. Oh no, hang on. How many automatic? No, yeah, there are, there are three automatic spots, aren't there? No, only there's two spots so overall. Three in green. Uh, these two play off against each other. Those second, two go into... So second play against third. 
those two guys, no, the second place goes into the semi-final and the third place go into the quarter-final. Oh, well, right. Yes. That's really silly. Yeah, only one uh, direct promotion spot and two overall. Okay. Yes. Well, in short, those are some of the teams we'd like to... Did that answer the question? The, the question was who are the main frontrunners? So Belgrano are the main frontrunners. Belgrano and San Martín are looking good so far, but there's a hell of a long way to go and there's not many places up for grabs. No. So Bel- Belgrano are like seven points clear, San Martín are one point clear of the team below them and both of them have got a game in hand over that team from what I just yes. saw. Uh, um, right. Do you want me to go for the this week's question, sir? Oh, do you want to? Go on. This, this is... Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'll give you a, a I'll give you um, your throat a break. Feel like someone else is doing it. Yes. This is from Darren Paul. And as you may well guess, his question it has a Rasmus slam. Why did Muscle Flex Will Acuna not feature last night? Was he hurt? I'll be honest. Tag gutted, he didn't make the field. He can't possibly have been hurt, can he? I've got some good news and some bad news for you, Darren. The bad news is that he did miss out because he wasn't feeling great. The good news is that it was only a niggle. Uh, He wasn't at 100%, so Scaloni decided to play Nicolas Taliafico in his stead. But it is not anything to get too concerned about. So he might be one of the players who gets a run out on Sunday, maybe? If he's feeling better, yeah, to... uh, to kind of rotate, give him give him a chance, but I think he's pretty safely on the plane already, right? You would think so, wouldn't you? Yes. Um, as his tango feet go, in fairness. So. Indeed, yeah. Left back, there's not really that much room to manoeuvre, manoeuvre I don't think. Um, I'll share your sentiment. I would always love to see Marcos Acuna do his thing, and if he doesn't play, it's always a little bit of a disappointment. Hmm. Uh, next, David Novoshevsky. That's how you pronounce it, right? I've been paying attention all these years. Uh, at question time well done yeah yes. well I mean I, it, David's never corrected me I, right I had a teacher in uh, year what year was I in year th- my, my teacher in year three first year of junior school yeah. or like third or fourth year of primary school if you went to a primary school uh, right. in England uh, had a Polish surname um, and Fair so enough. I've always just uh, assumed that this follows similar rules yeah. David if I have been mispronouncing your name all wrong this whole time please let me know yes. David uh, but, says cheers I don't know if he's just um, made a toast or maybe he's watching classic American I sitcoms think he, I think he does will be drinking hand of, uh, drinking hand of pot drinking fernet drinking hand this. Well, we actually are because we've finished our glasses but indeed uh, cheers David that wasn't his question. Do you think San Lorenzo would be better able to pay its players if it, say, allowed international merchandise sales or new applications for socios? Asking for a friend. Um, you need to read out the emojis as well, Don. Winky face, face palm face. Um, I'm guessing that some of this is going to be down to the eternal and never-ending struggle to get dollars into or out of Argentina and convert them into peso. I mean, yeah. are any of the other clubs any better at selling international merchandise? Directly. Boca, possibly? Maybe. Boca certainly have a big push for international members. Yeah. And I mentioned a couple... I can't remember whether I mentioned on the extra or on the main episode, but I remember you laughing quite harshly at it. My girlfriend's dad and his cousin... Well, his, his cousin's husband uh, not going to a Boca match because they thought that they were getting invited. Ah, yes, yes. Due to being part of the official um, Israeli... Well, due to his 
his cousin's husband being part of the official Israeli fan group, and then it turned out they were actually being <laughs> given the honour of being allowed to pay two hundred dollars each, Indeed. and it had to be in cash and it had to be in dollars yeah. to go to the match against Barracas Central. Yes, so they didn't. <coughs> um, I would assume if San Lorenzo are doing this, it's because the drawbacks probably outweigh the benefits. Probably it would cost more to set up all the infrastructure, yeah. international delivery. Uh, sort of, you know, having to deal as Sam says with all the exchange rate bullshit, um, than any possible profits they could make from um, selling five shirts a year overseas. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's just a weird one, isn't it? Because okay, Boca, as we just just explained, have international members. Uh, mm. River obviously have international members as well. Because if Boca have got something, then I, I'm just going to assume that River have a similar setup for it. Uh, given that they're similarly sized clubs. Uh, Racing, I don't really know whether there are... I don't think they do know. ...how much of that there is no. or what, what the merchandising situation is or anything. But yeah, I mean, certainly any of, of the clubs in Argentina would be able to bring in more money if they allowed these things or if they were able That's to, can you to imagine? carry out these things. But I don't know really how... We're talking about the merchandising, can you imagine trying to explain to, I don't know, a, a Swiss... Boca fan who's used to like you know all his trains running on time. Thank you for buying this shirt. You will get it. Uh, you will receive it in the post between six weeks and ten years from now. Yeah, and that's assuming that, that nobody you know in customs or in Correo Argentino decides. Oh, that's a Boca shirt. I'll have yeah, that for my that, nephew. Yeah. It's Christmas soon. Indeed. Um, yeah. Yes. Many potential pitfalls there, uh, but maybe if San Lorenzo should think about it. I mean. Whatever they're doing now, clearly isn't working, so... Yeah, no, and the other thing is that with international, with international socios... Yeah. Knowing that I was about to go into a Spanish word there, I started saying international and then realised it was... <laughs> anyway, with international members, um, it's the kind of thing that I've seen some clubs kind of go one way and then the other on, depending on who wins a presidential election, for instance. So yeah. You might have one president who really tries to push it, and then the other guy comes in and suddenly the international members don't mean anything and sort of lose some of their status and so you'll get people occasionally you'll hear from somebody who's like coming to Buenos Aires on holiday has been an international member of I don't know made up example don't don't take this as gospel please don't write it if you're a fan <laughs> of the club but like an Huracan fan say I've been an international member of Huracan for like five years time I've been mm-hmm. looking forward to this trip I've come down here and it turns out that I don't get like a member's rate or I, I'm not able to buy a ticket as if I was a member because the president changed and decided to change his mind about whether we're doing this oh, fantastic. and it's that kind of yeah I mean it happens unfortunately so <laughs> I don't know how much of a difference it would make to income probably a fair bit maybe not as much as we were marginal, about, I think. You know, as, as, as Seba and Santi were talking about on the WhatsApp group earlier the number of people outside Argentina, even who give a toss about the Super Clásico, yeah, like the international viewing figures for the twenty eighteen Copa Libertadores final second leg, which we're going to assume is far and away the most watched club match in the history of certainly Argentine and probably South American football between River and Boca. In case you're wondering why I'm bringing that particular yeah. year up, probably gets fewer is, viewers than a Burnley. Exactly. So Cardiff, um, how much, you know, and, and we love Argentine football and we love people who are from other countries and love Argentine football yes. because that's why we do this podcast. But really, if there were more, you, we would have retired to a, our private island by, yeah, by yeah, now. Totally. 
I, I minuted at, from the overwhelming success. I, I look of at how, how many uh, Patreon supporters some <laughs> other podcasts that aren't about football have, and I just I find it difficult to believe that they can <laughs> be raking in that much money and still be staying in their day jobs. It just seems ridiculous mm. to me. But anyway, uh, do you want to go on to the next question now? Yeah, why not? This is from Ronnie Masunda. Oh, I thought you were going to ask for a play in English. This question that I can see here. I've got one underneath it. I. Uh, on my chronological order, I've got Ronnie first. Oh, because my, my page is refreshed and uh, I just put it there for some reason. Go okay. on, Ronnie Mazzucco. It's a quick one anyway. What games on Libertadores for Argentine teams really excite your folks, you folks? And he goes on to specify he's talking about the last 16 draw, which we we got, yes. Yeah, I mean, well, there are only three of them really, aren't there? There's They're there, all crackers. Two Argentine, yeah. all Argentine clashes. Um and there's Corinthians Boca, and I think it's difficult to... I mean, sure, obviously the mind is... The eye is more drawn to Belles against River than it is to Tacheres Colón, but mm. I think they should all be... Definitely all worth a watch, yeah. And, and in fact, the fact that Tacheres Colón is sort of... Well, it's the two teams from outside Buenos Aires, essentially, who are left in it. Uh, if yeah. it was one of the Buenos Aires teams against a non-Buenos Aires team and the other Buenos Aires team against mm. the other non-Buenos Aires team, I think it would be maybe a little bit less... Possibly. Are you forgetting Fortaleza or Estudiantes? See, that, Next that, is, up there. That, that proves my point. Nobody yeah. pays attention to teams who aren't from Buenos Aires, <laughs> unless they're playing one another. Um, but yeah, so there you go. I think that's answered the question, really. The one that doesn't catch our eye is Fortaleza versus yeah. Estudiantes. But paradoxically, they've got a decent chance of going deep, because if in the semi, in the quarters they'd, uh, they'd be up against either Paranaense or Libertad of Paraguay. And then only recently in the in the semis, they probably have to face up Palmeiras or an Atlético Mineiro. Mm. And by the semis, who knows? So possibly the least eye-catching could be the one who who gets the furthest. Yeah, and I mean, the other see. thing is that we, we saw, you know, Fortaleza. Did, did River batter Fortaleza at some point in the groups? Was there, there was a four 0 or something? Yes, I think they did. Um, and you know, they certainly the deserve to win both games. Yeah, there, there was a one 0 I think, which. Should have been a three-one or four-one mm. for for River quite quite comfortably. And Estudiantes, as, as we mentioned before, the knockout stage of the Copa de la Liga started, were up there with Racing as the best two teams in, in yes. the Copa de la Liga. So you know, Estudiantes, you would expect to do very well there. Yes, uh, but I think the one I'm as as a neutral uh, Corinthians Boca should be that that's going to be. I mean, the two team. group games were. Fairly underwhelming, yeah, but quite tetchy. Knockout stages just always bring that extra thing to it, and it is yeah. it's this thing of the, the two um, clubs with them, or you know, at least who claim the most fans in the two biggest footballing countries. Yeah, sorry, two sorry, giants, Colombians, but the two absolutely the giants. two biggest countries in a footballing sense on the continent um, coming together in, in a knockout game yeah. that should be. Good and Venice River will be good because they both just like to play good football and uh, yeah. It all depends on what which Villas turns up. Yeah, the Villas who can occasionally play very good football. The Villas which just crawls up in a ball and let, and gets run on. Yeah, and it also of course depends on whether Juan Fernando Quintero plays or not. Obviously, because if he doesn't, I'm not interested. Yeah. Uh, there was one more question. There. River play in English. Yes, uh, maybe an overview of the significance given to Super Cups on different side of, sides of the Atlantic would be good. Neither side generally understands the other's point of view of them. We saw this a little bit in passing in um, in that WhatsApp discussion on our group earlier that I mentioned. Mm. Um, because Seba... So the Super Cup has just been 
the AFA have sold the Argentine domestic supercar to Abu Dhabi. Right. Yes. I haven't seen this. Oh, you've not looked at our WhatsApp. I haven't, no. Um, I'm going to catch up very quickly. So, yeah, the next four years of it, including the one that hasn't yet been played from the two winners last year, Mm. which happens to be, coincidence of coincidences, River versus Boca, um, are going to be played in Abu Dhabi. Oh. Because the AFA have heard that that's what you do if you want money and are a European Football Association and the AFA like to think that they're European because they're Argentine and Argentines mm-hmm. like to think they're European um, and so that's what they've done Jeez. so yeah uh, so I, I'm really hoping that Moron or Tigre just advance and manage to win the Copa Argentina by virtue of their fans the, 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 their opponents not turning up mm-hmm. in any of the rounds and that they end up playing against like Arsenal or Barracas Central or somebody uh, who win the league and uh, next year the petrochemical millionaires of Abu Dhabi are paying to sit in their air-conditioned <laughs> stadiums and watch Barracas Central against Tigre in the <laughs> I just I cannot imagine who they think is going to want to watch Argentine football even again this is where the whole thing that I just mentioned mm. about the you know nobody really watching it comes in uh, even River Boca you're only selling Argentine football to the people who live in that one country nobody else gives yeah. a shit no. so yeah uh, I don't know whether this was actually what prompted River and English's question, or whether it was prompted by the idea that uh, you know Argentina Italy yesterday was a like I said a little bit of a super cup you mm. could say, but I think it's it, it's not, it, it's more fun. Um, but yeah, there was actually a little bit of an illustration of it in that um, conversation because at some point Seba said that or implied that super cups were you know big matches, mm. which is an argument I had with Seba years ago and never plan on having again. Um, Wait, why is um... and Santi firmly disagreed with him? Sorry, um, why does it say the Supercopa Argentina is going to be played in Abu Dhabi and then the title on... Yeah, I think Sandy pointed that out. The Supercopa is going to be played in Saudi Arabia. It's going to be played in Abu Dhabi. Right, uh, which is and, not Saudi Arabia. And whoever put that graphic together doesn't know where Abu Dhabi is or what country it's in. Or maybe Saudi Arabia. No, it's definitely Abu Dhabi. No, maybe they don't know where Saudi Arabia is. Uh, yes, possibly yes. that, yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially the answer to that question is the AFA, which is why... <laughs> Uh, which is the same answer to why is the Super Copper being played in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the relative importance. I, sometimes I feel like Euro- mainland Europeans take it more seriously than Brits, though. That's certainly how it felt to me when I was growing up in the 90s. I think it's very much an English thing to... No one in England really look, gives a yeah. toss about the Community Shield or whatever it's called this season. But I think that's got a lot to do with it, because that the C- Community Shield or Charity Shield, as uh, we remember it from our youths, mm. It's always been such a joke competition that we tend to just carry that mindset for every single competition which is played in a similar format. Yeah. Uh, would that be fair? Yeah. And, I mean... I, see, I mean, it was even in the name, when, Charity when Shield. T- it's like, that's for charity. You know, you get together, have a yeah. kick. When I, when I was a teenager, I, I you know, first getting interested in football that wasn't English football and was first mm. starting to read about the footballing traditions and the history of the leagues in other countries, mostly in Europe at first, and then, you know, elsewhere, Brazil and Argentina especially. Um, I, I sort of uh, was, was always told that they took these things more seriously. And now I think, well, okay, I mean, but Italy have been playing their Super Cop in, like, Libya and yeah. and Saudi Arabia and, and Japan or something, was there, or China or somewhere recently? I think so. Um, and Spain have taken it to the the Middle East as well I think kind of on the one hand you know 
if you're taking it seriously as a trophy, then you don't do that, do you? You keep it in your own country if you're, if you're actually treating it seriously. It's money, though, isn't it? People like um, money. That's my conclusion. Yeah. Essentially. So, so, I mean, we, we, we can't really give you a run. Maybe it would have been good to have one of the Argentines here for that particular question. They could have mm. given us their perspective on it growing up. But certainly, yeah, I, I get the impression that it's taken bit more seriously at least if not a lot more seriously river in english by the way we should say knows that as a, as a matter of fact mm. the last sentence that i just said he, he's aware of that because he lives here as well just like us um but yeah i mean i, I don't know what else there is to say about <laughs> it uh it can get slightly irritating when you're arguing with somebody about how important something is yes absolutely i, I remember making this point to somebody, I think it was an Independiente fan in my local, very shortly after my local first became my local, so we're talking like getting on for 12 years ago, um, who was, you know, asking about something like the, the European Super Cup might have been on or something, and I'd just gone in for a drink having yeah. completely forgotten that the European Super Cup was on, <laughs> and he was there to watch the European Super Cup because he was interested in who, want, who wanted to win it. And just, I remember telling him that as a Man United fan, I didn't have a clue how many charity shields or community shields we've won. Nah, correct. Like, at the time, I knew exactly how many league titles we've won. It would have been uh, 18, I think, yeah. at the time. Uh, and I knew how many FA Cups we've won. I can't remember now how many it was then, I mean. Um, but I had no idea how many charity shields we've won. And he found it surprisingly difficult to believe that I wouldn't know that and I was like but what no one cares no. <laughs> why would I know that, that doesn't, that's it doesn't matter I'm vaguely aware that I think United have won either more than anyone else or more than anyone but Arsenal or something but that's all I know I mean I can't yeah. tell you how many it is <laughs> so yeah um, it's just a different approach to to the game it's almost as if there were different cultures and different countries almost yeah, yeah. it's a big old world um, on that note, Mystic Sam? Let's do it. Okay, this weekend's matches are Barraca Central against Central Cordoba. Barracas Central will win that one. And then on Saturday, Atletico Tucumán versus Colón is going to be a Colón win. Independiente are going to get an away win over San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Um, Banfield versus Newells will be a draw. Patronato versus Vélez will be a Vélez win. Platense versus Godoy Cruz, I'll go for a draw there. Don't wash off. No, probably not. Uh, I think Racing will beat Huracán on Sunday. Tacheres Sarmiento is... Uh, win for Tacheres. Um, Tacheres were useless in the Copa de la Liga, weren't they? They only ended a couple of uh, They, they bounced back a little bit, yeah. But they, yeah. Uh, of course, yeah, because they've got their Portuguese manager now. Yes. Um, so, and possibly a new English player, fingers crossed. Indeed. But not this weekend. Mr. Um, Colomiento. As we mentioned last week. Uh, Tacheres versus Sarmiento, I'm going to go for a Tacheres win, I think. Union versus Tigre. Ooh. Interesting fixture. Flying a little bit under the radar of the other more noticeable ones. I feel like that's more interesting in theory than it probably will be in practice. Possibly, yeah. Uh, I'll go for a Tigre win. Mm-hmm. Estudiantes will beat Gimnasia in the Clásico. 
Boca will beat Arsenal in the Bombonera. Defensa Justicia will draw with River Plate, mm. let's say, in Florencio Varela. And then on Monday, Rosario Central versus Lanús will be a Lanús win, and Argentinos versus Aldo Sini, who are currently managerless, because Martin Palermo quit. Like, oh, did he? Two days ago. Oh. Didn't you hear this? I didn't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think Argentinos are going to win that one. There we go. Um, Has he gone anywhere? Or? No, I don't think so. I think no? he, he just because he did all right. Disagreed um, with something that the board wanted to do and left. I, I, I've only seen the, the headlines. He never seems to be able to stay very long in one place no. as a coach, which is funny because he managed <laughs> it as a player for long enough. A Boca. Excellently delivered punch line there, Danny. Even though I didn't realise what you were about to say no? just before you said it. Sorry for laughing over that. Um, Thank you very much indeed for listening to us. Can I read this article first? Ooh, I, I have something not about article, surely. Just an Aldo Civi director criticised Martin Palermo and revealed his motives for resigning. Go on. I'm hoping it's something scandalous, but it's probably going to be very dull. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be Marco from Arsenal. He I said he didn't have the strength to go on. He didn't do want to do the club role. That was boring. I was hoping he was going to be in an orgy or so. In his defence, I will say. It's, it's going to be winter in three weeks' time. He probably did, yeah. <laughs> really he did it right. He, he spent Plata. the summer in Mare Plata. Got, uh, got a lot of beach time. Now, fancy we'll the winter there. I don't wind. think so. Um, anyway, yeah, thank you very much indeed for listening to us and putting up with us for another week. We will be back next week when we'll have a bit more football to talk about mm. and uh, perhaps won't spend quite as long talking about it because this has been quite a long episode. Uh, so thank you for now and goodbye from English Town. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. Thank you.